0: Well, good morning again, and again, all of you online watching right now, we're grateful that you're with us. We truly are together, on-site and online. And as we move into our teaching time, I just want to let you know that it's going to be a little bit different today. Uh, we're used to disruption by now, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're used to curveballs, and so I just want to, I want to spend some time with you. It's going to feel a little bit different. Now, us teaching pastors, when we come and, and teach the message, uh, there's been several weeks of prayer and you know study and crafting to to put a message together and the message for today was on target to be such and honestly this last week as I would sit down with the message and start to craft and pray and plan I just kind of felt a continued detour from God many times and then I just had kind of an off week anyone else have an off week last week Some of you are like, I had an off month, Chad. I had an off year. Come on now, right? Um, I just had an off week, various things, various reasons. And I found myself sitting Friday in my office, looking at the text and preparing to kind of finish it up for the day and prepare for the weekend. And as I was praying through the text and reading through the text, God just sent me to a place of really self-analysis and self-reflection. And as I looked at some of the language that the text had, and we'll get there in a minute. We're going to be in Ephesians 2 today. Um, all of a sudden, it just kind of dawned on me, like, man, I am tired. Like, I'm just tired. And I'm not talking like, hey, I had a big workout or I didn't get enough sleep, kind of tired. You know what kind of tired I'm talking about, right? I'm weary. I think a lot of what we've been going through over the last year, man, just like caught up with me in a moment on Friday. And that moment has lingered. And, and I know a lot of you feel and have felt and will feel what I'm talking about. Just kind of weary of life being different. And some of you are, you know, facing financial um, tension right now, marriage tensions, you've got health issues, uh, conflict on some level. And then there's just this thing. Like, like we don't even necessarily what to call it, right? It's just like the ceiling has come down on our level of motivation and interaction, Right? It's just that thing that a lot of us have felt where it's like, man, I know I should get up and read my Bible, but Netflix calls, right? And I know I, should, I know I should pray. I know I should just spend some extra time in prayer and scripture right now, but man, my social media feed is just beckoning me to come and hang out there for a little bit and just scroll mindlessly for a while. Then I know I need to go to life group. Whether I need to log on to a Zoom or show up in person, I, I know I need to get with another believer and have coffee or a meal and start to, like, get into some actual interpersonal relationships. And can, I know I need to do that, but, man, my sweats are comfortable. Man, my jammies are cozy. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's weary, we all have experienced it at some level. Maybe, maybe on a one to ten scale, you're like, that's me to a ten. Some of you are like, eh, maybe kind of sort of a two, but we've all experienced it on some level. And I think Friday just kind of caught up with me a little bit. But there was something else in the midst. I'm like, there's still something else there. Lord, what is it? And as I was looking at the language, and it'll show up here in a second, I think what the Lord was showing me is that, man, I was having a moment of just loneliness. Like, I just felt lonely, disconnected, isolated. But it's weird because especially if you know me, I'm kind of like an optimist to a fault. My wife, right, mocks me because I'm like a hyper-optimist. Plane can be going down, you know, in flames, whatever, and I'll be like, oh, but it's a great view. You know, I'm like, I'm just hyper-optimist, hyper-relational. I love people. I love being with people. So it's like, it's not like I wasn't around People. It's not like I don't have friends or people to connect to or reach out to or whatever, but it was just different. It was just this kind of creepy feeling of just like loneliness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, we do. Some of you online are going, I'm in my house. What do you think? (laughs) Of course I know what you are talking about. Here's what I'm so glad for. Our feelings do not determine truth. Our feelings do not determine reality. Our feelings should react to truth and respond to reality. And so I'm so glad that in the midst of feeling that, I found myself in the best place. I was in God's Word. But as I kept praying and kept trying to craft a sermon, this is what the Lord kept putting on my heart. It's almost like he was saying, Chad, I just want you to show up Sunday with your heart and the text. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, no sermon notes? No quotes, no three-point outline, no 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 pages of information and cool. No. Just want you to show up with your heart in the text. So if it's okay with you, I just want to show up with my heart in the text for a little bit here. And I want to interact with this loneliness thing. I want to interact with this isolation thing at a different level because even though we can feel that, as believers in Christ, it's not what's true of us. It's not what's true. We have to be refreshed to what's true. So let's talk a little bit about this loneliness thing for a minute before we dive in. I was uh, doing some study. Uh, I do have one graphic. Okay, I couldn't help myself. I had to have something. Okay, well, technically I have two graphics, but just work with me, okay? Um, I I found this pre-COVID survey because loneliness is not a COVID thing. Health officials have been monitoring an epidemic of loneliness for years now. And here's what a 2019 study I found in uh, Time. It was the time.com that had this um, from another source. Look, Look what we see here. From this particular poll, every new generation is increasingly getting more lonely. Right? So find yourself on this thing. If you're 18 to 22, if you're a teenager in this room, if you're a teenager at home, Right now, the people that related to you in that poll, 79% saying they felt lonely. Millennials, the next one, 23, 38. Gen X, woo Gen X, All right? Uh, 38 to 51, that's us, hanging out at 65. Boomers, greatest. You know what's interesting? Every new generation is feeling increasingly lonely. And here's the bizarre thing, but aren't we more connected? <laughs> the more connected you are as a generation to your tech... The less relational we're becoming and the more lonely we're becoming. Teenagers, young adults, please pay attention. Look at what's happening to your generations. You guys have the most incredible connectivity possible, but it's actually making you more alienated and estranged from real people. Instead, you're all about the image of what people want to portray or feeling the image you have to portray. And in reality, all those likes don't really mean anything to us. Our likes do not determine our value, do they? Our lack of likes do not determine our value, do they? But we find ourselves going there. And so we have to kind of go backwards. How, how can we start to push into actual interaction with people? Here's another part of this study that I found interesting. The share of Americans who reported being lonely in 2019, if they lived alone, No surprise, 69% of those polls said, I feel pretty lonely. Living with one other, 51%. Here's one. Living with two plus other people, 65%. It's still a high statistic. And at first it's like, wait, what? But then think about it. If you walk into your average American home, what do you experience? Everybody's either in their own room or on their own screen or both. (laughs) less meals together. And pre-COVID and as we're coming out of COVID, now it's like basketball practice, volleyball practice, this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing, and we're, you know, jamming every which direction. It's no wonder that you can still be together as a family yet absolutely lonely. We all know what it feels like to be alone in a crowd, right? And so I think this is what we have to go after. But again, we can feel this. We have to deal with those feelings. Those feelings are real, but who God has made us and what God has provided for us in community is even more real. And that's where we find truth. That's where we find reality. And we're not enslaved to our feelings. And so with that, I want us to go to our teaching text. We're, we're in the book of Ephesians, so open up your Bibles or fire up your Bible apps to Ephesians chapter 2. For those of you who um, are showing up for the first time, uh, you haven't been with us, you haven't been watching online, uh, here's where we're at. We're in a study we're calling the essential gospel. Because we recognize that the gospel and understanding of who Jesus is and his work, how essential that is for our lives. And we're using this book of Ephesians as a guide. Ephesians was written by a man named the Apostle Paul, whose life was radically transformed by an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And now God's using him under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write to believers all over the region there, in Asia Minor and beyond. And so God has Paul writing to Christians in northern Greece in the first century in a town called Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And he's, he's helping them understand, he's encouraging them, he's instructing them about who they are and what they have because of their common faith in Jesus. And so the verses we're going to look at a little closer today are actually verses 19 through 22, but in order to really grasp what's about to be said in verses 19 through 22 of Ephesians chapter 2, we really need to revisit what we talked about last week for a couple minutes. And so if you have your Bibles, go back. We do not have these verses on the screen, but you can listen, but hopefully you have your Bible. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 11, and then we'll kind of run our way up to verse 19. So here's what we see. In, in verse 11, Paul says to the Ephesians, "'Therefore remember that at one time "'you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision "'by what is called the circumcision, "'which made in flesh by the hands. "'Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ.'" alienated from the commonwealth of israel strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without god in the world we'll pause and so what we see here is we understand the early church you had two major groups of people and and this is really a biblical concept from cover to cover you have the jewish faith the the jewish people the hebrews israel and you have gentiles anyone else who's non-jew so probably 99.9% of us all here would be considered Gentiles, non-Jewish upbringing or faith background. Okay? But there was a rift. The Jews saw themselves as more superior because they had been blessed with the Scriptures, prophets, priests, um, God's covenants, God's promises, all these things that you see here in the language. And the Gentiles, because they came from a pagan background, were oblivious to all these things at one point in their life. And now God is bringing them online to an understanding because of their faith in Christ. They, they now have put their faith in Jesus as God's Messiah for the world, who's come, who died and rose for forgiveness of sins, for a right relationship with God, all these things. He says now, you, you come from these two different backgrounds, but look what God is doing. Look at verse 13. But now in Christ, Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, peace to those who were near. For through him, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit uh, to the Father. And so again... What God has done in Christ is that when Jews put their faith in Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer, and when Gentiles did the same thing, Gentiles didn't become Jews. Jews didn't become Gentiles. Now God is forming in Christ a different person a whole new team, if you will. And the way I illustrated that last week, because of the Super Bowl, where you had two different jerseys going to head-to-head, I said, when you come to faith in Christ, if you remember this, or for those of you who weren't here, we, we all put on the same jersey with the same name. We all, be, we all belong to Team Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, we're really good at putting other names on the back of the jersey. Our denominational affiliation. Well, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm whatever, okay? No, that's not what's supposed to be on the back of the jersey. We put down our political ideology or party or we put down our preferences or our passions or whatever it is. That's not what's ever supposed to be on the back of the jersey. We're all under team Jesus. And so he's made us one. And so this is a beautiful concept. It's an empowering concept, but he's gonna actually develop it even more right now and give us three beautiful metaphors or three beautiful pictures that show us who we are together. That we're not disconnected. We're not isolated. We're not really lonely. We have what we need. We just need to engage who we are together. And so look at verse 19 with me. He says, So then, right? Because you're one, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. I just want to stop there. Those were the words that I found myself just kind of ruminating on last week. It's like, man, I kind of feel like a stranger sometimes. To kind of feel like an alien, I feel disconnected. Those were my feelings, but the reality is, I am not those things in Christ. I have been brought into a community. Well, what does that community look like? Well, then he gives three beautiful pictures or imageries. Look at verse 19 again. So then, you're no longer strangers with aliens, you are. Do you get that? Not that you're going to become, not that one day you might achieve. But when you put your faith in Christ, you are fellow citizens with the saints. Let's pause there. If you've studied the Bible, you know that the word saints is a reference to living people who believe in Jesus. Uh, there is no place in the Bible where a saint is a reference to dead people who've been given a label by living people that that we pray to. That, that's not a biblical concept. And so now we are fellow citizens with all the saints. Every believer in every corner of the globe is a fellow citizen of God's kingdom. We've been brought into this one common citizenship under God's kingship. Jesus is our mutual king. We all belong to his kingdom. We don't belong to the kingdom of man. Uh, we don't. Our, our greatest identity is not our national identity or our ethnic identity, our social, economical identity, any of those things. Our identity as a child of God is that we're now part of this kingdom of God. And when you belong to a nation, when you become a citizen of a nation, there's two things that are true of you. One, you have privileges that come with being a citizen of that nation, right? Every nation imparts benefits and privileges to being a citizen of that nation. And so for us, we got some amazing benefits, like heaven, <laughs> salvation, forgiveness of sins, right? Uh, we have community togetherness. We have um, scriptures. We have a lot of amazing things that we, we share as common citizens of heaven. But not only do you have privileges and benefits, but you also have responsibilities. So as a citizen, you you obey the laws. You know, we would say uh, our right to vote is a responsibility here in our nation, And we have responsibilities of of being in the kingdom. So what are our responsibilities in the kingdom of God? Obedience to God, sharing Christ with others, representing our king and our kingdom well, is is a huge one. And I think that's what's is is a heartbreak for so many of us, is we know that we're coming out of a season, but there's still some people stuck in a season where we're not representing the kingdom of Christ well. I mentioned this a couple of sermons ago. I saw a tweet um, weeks ago that really messed with me, and I shared it here. I'll share it again because it just came to mind. Is basically that you know, for the Christians saying, "Oh, we're being persecuted for being Christians," the tweet went something like this: "You're not being persecuted because of your love for Jesus. You're being persecuted because you're not acting like Jesus." And and I think that's true. And so part of our responsibility as citizens is to act like Jesus in a way that's compelling and attractive to those who don't know Jesus. This morning, I got on um, my social media this morning during uh, one of the services to uh, look at the live feed that we were putting out. And I couldn't help but notice a post from a dear sister in Christ, a friend, on the West Coast. And all of a sudden I noticed her and another sister in Christ were just arguing. They were just blowing up their feed speaking very disrespectfully of one another about yesterday's trial and they were just going at it I'm like that is not representing our kingdom well and then we want to know why people who don't know Jesus go I don't want to go to your church I don't want to do your Bible study with you in fact I don't even know if I want to know your Jesus based on the behavior I see in your community. So we have benefits, but we also have responsibilities as citizens. But we're all part. We all get to be part of the citizenship of the saints, which is awesome. But then what's about to happen is Paul gets a little bit more intimate. Like like we're all citizens, but there's another community construct that has even more connectivity and intimacy. And so let's continue. So you are... No longer strangers and aliens, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What that means? We're family. You can be a citizen of a nation, but not family with other citizens, right? But we're more than just citizens, we're also family. We have a common father. God the Father is our Father, which makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we belong to this family that, that knows each other at a deeper level. We're, we're citizens of our nation, but we don't know the people of our nation well. But you get to know your family well, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? And so like, and as I look at the worship team up here, like I'm, I'm floored. If all of you knew the backstories on the people who were leading us into worship through song, and you realized how some are battling cancer, of lost loved ones to cancer, or even like last month, or just what's gone on through the, 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 the wars that they had to fight. And they're declaring the truths of God despite their feelings. And then look around this room and go, so many of us in the same boat, the, the battles we wage, we, we get to know each other. And there's an intimacy and a connection and a, a common union that comes with being family. We're not alone. We're not isolated, and there are people in this room that know exactly what it feels like to be you. They know what the pain feels like that you're experiencing. Those of you online, there's people online with you right now, here right now, they they know. In fact, if you're online and you were to start typing right now, like, hey, here's a pain I've experienced, and you started talking with each other, there's gonna be people going like, oh, me too. Oh, I've had that. Here's what helped me. Like, we know. Isn't that so good? Isn't that a grace of God to put us with people who can go, I know what it feels like? Maybe not exactly, but I know what it feels like. The reason we struggle with it is because just like siblings typically do, we get on each other's nerves a little bit and we step on each other's toes a little bit. And so, you know, I have a sister who's six years younger than me, I was that brother. My poor sister came in with Care Bears hanging from the ceiling fan and Cabbage Patch Kids, you know, squished in the corner, and, you know, my Boba Fett taking out one of her My Little Ponies. And, you know, I, I was that big brother, you know, and other things that I don't care to mention here right now. <laughs> We're going to disappoint each other. Whether you've been in the family of Christ for years or whether you're brand new, let's just get that on the table. I am going to disappoint you if I haven't already. I'm going to hurt your feelings if I haven't already. And you're going to hurt mine. And you're going to disappoint me. It's the human condition, it's God's little laboratory to practice things like grace and mercy and forgiveness and healing. We're not a perfect family, but we're family. We're family in Christ. That's why we have to make sure we're connecting. You know what the devil wants? He wants you to stay as far away from other Christians as possible. He wants you isolated. Those of you watching online, I know some of you, you have health concerns with family and yourself, and you can't connect right now in the typical ways. Some of you are just stuck. There's no good reason why you can't now engage in relational community. You just need the motivation to do it. We all know. We all know what it feels like. So we're family. We're not just family, though. There's another very intimate progression we see here. Look at verse 20. He's talking about this household of God, right? It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So uh, we know that God's work through the apostles and prophets laid a foundation for us. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. A lot of you know this, but for those of you who don't, um, in ancient and still even a modern buildings in some degrees, an um, ancient building construction, the very first stone laid was a cornerstone, biggest, strongest, most aligned stone that determined the alignment and the strength of all the walls that would be, be built off of it. The cornerstone is the most important stone in the construction of a home. And so Jesus is our cornerstone. God's work through the prophets and apostles is the foundation. And then what we see here is that uh, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Not only we fellow citizens, not only we family, individually and collectively, we become the very place where God's Spirit dwells. We are a temple. My body is a temple. Your body's a temple, and the church body collectively is a temple where God's Spirit dwells. So think about that. When you come to that moment where you realize that you are lost and you're sinful and you need God, and you can see your sin clearly, and you repent, and you humbly become before God and say, I'm a sinner, I need you. When you can see Jesus for who he is as God in the flesh and recognize that the cross isn't just some religious symbol, but that it's actually a demonstration of God's love because on that cross, Jesus, the Savior, died for your sin, died for my sin, died for the world's sin, was put in a grave dead, and three days later rose from the grave alive to conquer death, conquer sin, hang out for 40 days to prove he was alive, so the word got out, we still have it, and then ascended to heaven, and when he ascended he sent God the who? Spirit to live where? point to where the Holy Spirit lives right here so if the Holy Spirit's here and the Holy Spirit's in there and the Holy Spirit's in there and the Holy Spirit's in there and we get together guess where the Holy Spirit is? here when we leave this building and when you log off this is just a building no more Holy Spirit. <laughs> he dwells with his people. That's the most intimate connection you could ever have. God's Spirit living in you. We're never alone. And what I love about this is if you, if you study the Scriptures, what you see is that all the way back in Genesis, with Adam and Eve, God walked with his people. He walked with Adam and Eve through the cool of the garden. Then you fast forward, you know, Exodus and beyond, and, and they assembled a tent called the tabernacle. And they had a holy place in the tabernacle where God's Spirit recited to be with his people. And then down the road later, they, they they got rid of the tabernacle and built an actual temple, right, in Jerusalem. And when the temple was built, God's spirit was there, accessible by his people. He was with them. And then when Christ came, God in the flesh. God walking with his people. But when Christ died and rose and ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, he doesn't just reside with his people. He took it up a whole notch. Now he resides in his people. Do you not recognize that that makes you the most unique, amazing people group on this planet? That the Spirit of the living God resides in us as a family. Wow. We're never alone. Our feelings don't determine reality. Our feelings don't determine truth. And he designed us to be in community together, which means that if we're isolated, one of two things needs to happen. We recognize those who are isolated and reach out to them to pull them back in, to encourage them. Or if you know you're isolated and you're vulnerable, you reach out to be encouraged. And I would just say, it's time. We're at a tipping point. So many of you know it. I've been talking to people every week. This is our first time back in person. It's our first time back in life group in person. We need to connect. All those things. There comes a point when, when your mental, emotional, spiritual, relational health becomes more critical than your physical health. And you've got to connect, whether it's on a Zoom, FaceTime, phone call, or in person. You've got to to connect isolation kills it dulls it makes us ineffective it makes us disconnected so my encouragement to you is that you come back to refresh like read through Ephesians 2 and refresh your understanding of who we are and what we have as a community and how that really pushes against what we feel in different moments in fact um, we have a response number that if you want an extra tool to help with that, text the word SEEK to that response number and a prayer that's been crafted off this passage will be sent right to your phone and you just click that link and it can be an additional way to pray through this passage, okay? So you can do that. Text the word SEEK to that 440-276-5575 number. But we have to break out of isolation. We have to fight for connection and be the people God's called us to be. So here's what I want to do. I want, to, I want us to stand, and we're going to pray. If you're home, you can stand. It might be good for you. Break it up. Put down, the, put down the easy chair, get off the couch, stand up if you need to just to kind of change it up. What I want to do is I, I want to pray around what we just talked about. And this is a time for two things to happen. One, just on your own to come before God. And this could be a time of praise that God has not left us alone. It could be a time of confession of allowing ourselves to be <laughs> isolated and unmotivated, and, and we can cry out to God for help to break out of that. So this is a time for personal prayer, but it's also an opportunity as the church, as a community, to pray for others who need extra prayer right now. And so if you're at home, the question for you is like, if there's one of you that just feels more lonely, and you might need to mute us in a little bit and just say, who's been feeling most lonely? Who's been feeling most isolated? And pray for that person or pray um, as as a family or with your friends or life group or whoever you're with, just pray for each other around this area for a couple minutes. Or if you're on your own, um, pray what you need to pray for yourself and pray for other people that are coming to mind right now. But right now, I'm gonna ask something um, that's a bit bold, but I think necessary. If you've been struggling with extra weight of loneliness and isolation. If you've been extra tired and you're really struggling, I'm going to ask you something very bold. Just raise your hand. Anyone in this room, just raise your hand. Like, man, it, I've been going through it, man. I have been going through it. Please keep your hand up. Please keep your hand up. Because the next thing is if you look around and you see someone's hand up next to you, close to you, during this time, would you pray for them, please? Please. Can you just get as close as you guys feel comfortable? Just say, Can I pray for you? You can just put your hand out to them, or if they're comfortable, put your hand out Just say, and just pray. Pray what we just read over them. They're a citizen. They're a family member. They're a stone in the living temple of God. Pray however God's spirit leads you over that person who needs an extra dose, okay? So keep your hands up if you need prayer. Keep your hands up right now if you need prayer. Okay, look around. I want to release you guys. Let's just take a couple minutes and just pray. Just pray and push back against that loneliness and isolation that's creeping in, okay? So go, just pray. If you need to move, move a couple seats, just pray. Go for it. Those of you online, just pray. Out loud is perfectly fine. If If you're on your own, pray for our church. Pray for your life group. Pray for your family. Pray for your friends. Pray for yourself. There are people in this room that raise their hand that do not have someone praying for them. If you saw someone raise their hand and no one's next to them, just take a step toward them and just pray for them. In the balconies, let's pray together. Father, the isolation and loneliness that we feel at times is real. We're not minimizing that today. We're not villainizing that today. You give us a heart and that heart feels. But Lord, we identify that our feelings are not reality, they're not truth. Your word is truth, you are truth. And our feelings need to come into submission to that and to interact with that truth. And so, Lord, when we're down and we need comfort, may we find our comfort in your word. And, God, in your people, you've you've made us a community to carry each other's burdens over and over again. Scripture, you talk about the one another's. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. Carry one another's burdens. Serve one another. Love one another. Isolation is just a killer to our soul. So God, to pray right now for those online, those in this room, that today will be a day that all of us take one big step out of isolation. And Lord, that you would use us to encourage other people who need it to take one big step out of isolation and loneliness. One step back into the body of Christ. Whatever that looks like, Lord. Meeting in person again in life groups. Having a great phone call. Using the technology, if if that's all we can do. Sitting with food and drinks and just sharing our life with one other person or two other people. God, whatever it looks like, that we can still use wisdom and caution, yet still connect with one another. God, would you help us to do that? God, thank you that we are fellow citizens of your kingdom. That's real. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that we are part of that household of God, the family, the home of God. That's real. Thank you for that, you God. Thank you that we are a temple. Each one of us a stone in the wall, building this temple that Your presence dwells, Your Spirit lives, and shines forth to the world who so desperately needs it. So God, use us to help others come to Christ. Know Christ. Be encouraged in Christ. Help us to be the community you've designed us to be. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. Let's worship.